Welcome to What's the Law Say, a presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia. I'm Clint Adams, Legal Director at Legal Aid of West Virginia, and in this episode, we will be discussing intakes to Legal Aid of West Virginia services with Kate White, our Access to Services Manager. We start every podcast, which is the way that any uh, lawyer should start with a disclaimer. Legal Aid of West Virginia is a nonprofit law firm providing legal services and advocacy to vulnerable West Virginians. This program is presented to bring relevant and current information. All information is current at the time this program is is published. Our guest attorneys are licensed to practice law in the state of West Virginia, and this information relates only to the law in the state of West Virginia and is provided for informational purposes. This information does not take the place of an attorney-client relationship, and you should speak with an attorney about your specific situation. As we noted, I'm Clint Adams. I'm the host of What's the Law Say, and I'm joined today by Kate White. Kate, welcome to the program. Thanks, Clint. Thanks for having me. Now, I mentioned in the intro, you're our, our access to services manager. What does an access to services manager do? Sure. So I help to manage some of the programs and the ways that people apply for legal aid help and some of the information that um, we give out to them and then some of the programs um, and the ways that we serve people. In essence, your job is to make sure that people can get access to our services at Legal Aid of West Virginia. Correct. Yep. And and you do that not only working internally with uh, people at Legal Aid of West Virginia, but also with other attorneys uh, who don't work for Legal Aid of West Virginia? I do. We have a pro bono program where we have volunteers um, give their time to help our clients, but also we work with community partners um, that make referrals um, to people and families that they're working with that might need our services as well. And uh, you work primarily out of our Charleston office? I do, but um, a lot of the programs and things that I work with are, operate out of all the legal aid offices, so a lot of these programs are, are at statewide level at this point. And what do you do for fun in Charleston? Uh, I like to read. Uh, I like to run and usually busy running my kids around. um, So I enjoy doing that. So when you say run and run your kids around, those are two (laughs) different words. uh, Run uh, them around in the minivan (laughs) to practices and events. Run myself on uh, the boulevard. Now, you ran a a half marathon, right? I did about two years ago. Just ran a 10K the other day. So still keeping it up. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I uh, I don't I don't run quite that much. Ten Ks is too far for me. Yeah, <laughs> I still feel a little sore. <laughs> <laughs> where did you run the ten K at? Uh, it's over by the University of Charleston in Kanawha City um, is where we ran. So it was a nice day. It was good good weather. And it's pretty flat, so that makes it doable. So Kate, you've been with Legal Aid of West Virginia how long? Uh, overall, about fifteen years. Um, in this position, I'm, I'm almost at 12 years. And you are a licensed attorney, right? I am. Yep. I um, provide some advice services through our intake unit for our clients. Okay. And um, so let's talk about uh, some of the services that we provide at Legal Aid of West Virginia. As we mentioned, we're a nonprofit law firm. Um, who are the people that Legal Aid is able to help? Sure. So um, to be able to provide help for free, um, we get grants and um, funding that, you know, does put some um, 
parameters on who are able to help, but generally we're, we're focused on helping low income people and vulnerable people. And so there are some income guidelines for some of our services, but not all. Um, and in terms of people who are vulnerable, that means serving um, domestic violence victims, veterans, um, children, um, families, and adults with behavioral health, you know, issues. So um, people in, in long-term care settings. So, you know, there are a number of people we can help um, it's a little complicated, so I always encourage folks to call us to see if we can help because we can kind of sort through how we can fit them into some of our programs. Now, when we talk about helping, what are some of the ways that we can help people? I know I know, certainly we have attorneys that go to court, but what are other ways that we can help outside of that? Sure. So, um, you know, kind of the basic level is is a clinic or um, an opportunity where we give out information to people who need help. Um, so that's where we describe maybe a legal proceeding or we describe a form and help them, you know, understand what the form is asking for so they can fill that out. So we don't get into specific information or specific situations uh, when we're giving information. We're just describing a legal process or a form to someone. And then from there, it can go to advice. You you would either sit down or have a phone appointment with an attorney, describe your situation, what's going on, ask your questions, and an attorney gets into specifics with you and talks to you and guides you in your situation what to do. Sometimes we can negotiate for you. We can call someone to try to resolve an issue. We could draft a document for you that might resolve your problem or up to we can go to court with you. So there's a range of, of services that we can provide. I think one of the things you mentioned was clinics. What do you what do we mean when we say clinics? Sure. It's it's almost like a it's like a class where we will have a licensed attorney again, kind of going through a legal process. And I'll give you an example. It's probably easier. Uh, we get a lot of people who reach out for help with filing for divorce or filing for custody or or answering or responding in those situations. And uh, the Supreme Court in West Virginia has made forms that are available for people to fill out on their own because a lot of people can't um, afford an attorney to do that. And just due to legal aid resources, we can't go to court in all of those cases either. So to try to help people through that process that is, you know, pretty friendly for what the court system calls pro se folks, people filing on their own, we will have an attorney go through all the forms that need to be filed in a divorce or a custody situation and even explain some of the process that would happen, you know, in terms of filing it and when they go to court. Um, so we really try to give you a perspective of what to expect, how to fill out this form, what you need to do to file it, and then how to be prepared to go to court on your own. How often do, are there, how, how often are these family law clinics held? We hold them monthly and um, we've been holding them virtually so people can either call in by phone or get online and they can join that way as well. And um, you just need to call our intake number um, to get on the schedule. We'll send you a reminder of when we're having it. And we also send you all the paperwork that's needed to file, which is pretty important because sometimes if you go get that from the clerk's office, they might charge you um, for a copy of that paperwork, but we'll send it to you for free. Sounds great. And what other services aside from family law clinics, what other kind of kinds of clinics uh, does Legal Aid offer? So other clinics that are held kind of periodically, not maybe as regularly as the family law, um, we hold wills clinics. And so if somebody needs a will drafted, they would have to call and apply for our services. Um, but then they would have the opportunity to sit down with an attorney and have a will drafted for them. Um, we also do bankruptcy clinics. Again, that is one where you'd have to call and apply for our help. But then we'd have an attorney 
you know, review the bankruptcy paperwork with you after it's been assessed that bankruptcy is something that you might consider doing. And then they would give you all the information to fill out the bankruptcy paperwork and file it on your own. So we have bankruptcy clinics, we have um, family law clinics, we have uh, name change clinics as well. Yep, we do those periodically as well um, and have just started doing more of them. Um, so yeah, just check our Facebook page, check our website. We try to you know let folks know when we're having those opportunities locally, but we do hold name change clinics sometimes too. And that website address is legalaidwv.org. And uh, there's a bunch of information on there. Speaking of the website, Kate, it's one of your responsibilities uh, as the access to services manager. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I remember, I'm, I'm older than Google, I like to say, right? Um, but the reality is the, the innovation of the websites and the, the World Wide Web, as, as we used to call it, I don't know what we call it now, I guess just the web. Um, but in any event, the uh, the World Wide Web provides lots of information and you can get a, a bunch of information about legal aid there as well. So uh, in managing the website, what could people find if they went to that website? What are some of the things that are there? Sure. So we really pride ourselves on the amount of legal information that we put out to the public. And this is information that's available to anybody, regardless of whether they might qualify for legal aid services um, or even want to seek our services. And so if you go to our website, you'll see a big button on the top there, legal information. And if you go into that, um, we've got a lot of articles about common legal problems that people reach out to us for help about that they bump into in their lives. We've even got a section that just kind of talks about going to court on your own and what to expect and how to present evidence and how to act. And um, so it's really, I think, a wealth of information that our program has developed a long time over the years and works to keep updated as, as the law and things change. But um, we've got a lot of topics. And so if you're ever kind of wondering, what would I do in this situation or how could I handle this? I think our legal information on our website is a really great place to start to get your head around it. Quite frankly, a lot of attorneys I hear say, oh, yeah, I always go on your website all the time to kind of get my head around a topic and then, you know, do more on that. So it's a really great uh, place to get your um, get your background on something. Now, we talk about all the information on the World Wide Web and some of it is I'm going to I'm going to let. This is real surprising, but not everything you read on the Internet is true. Um, and I know that for a lot of people, they're confused about that. Uh, let's talk about Legal Aid's website, though. If you come if you go on there and you look for an article, what, what process do we go through before that gets published? So we have our attorneys that are licensed in West Virginia review all the articles and information that we put up. So, you know, it, it is accurate information for West Virginia. The law does change and we do our best to keep up with that. Um, and, you know, um, for the most part, I think that that as things change, we're catching them or catching them soon thereafter. So it's it's, you know, accurate information for West Virginia um, and definitely welcome people to reach out if they find something that they have a question about. Now, you mentioned there's articles about lots of different legal topics, everything from guardianship, child custody, divorce, um, even some kinds of cases maybe that Legal Aid of West Virginia wouldn't handle. Um, there's some information on the website um, there as well. Um, are there, aside from the articles that people can read, is there other information on the website that can help someone if they couldn't read or something like that? 
Yeah. If, so if you go in the legal information section and you click on an area, and I'm just going to give you an example, there's an area called home and apartment. So it talks a lot about housing issues, any problems you're having with rental housing. Um, but once you get in there, you know, you might find some videos um, or some forms that we've got um, that might help you file for something. Um, so in each area, you will find not just written information, but also um, often videos that might help supplement that information or if you're someone who likes to learn by watching a video um, that's another way that you can process the information um, we're working on doing more videos and we should have some more housing um, have some housing videos coming very soon that we're excited about but uh, right now most of our videos are in the family law area but as i said we're working to expand more into um, housing videos as well now we we've talked about our website, we've talked about our clinics. Um, let's talk about some of the people that we work with um, to provide services for people who are eligible. Uh, we work we we had uh, Melissa Kaufman on here uh, in our last uh, episode. We talked about TANF and and she had mentioned, excuse me, she had mentioned that you can get a referral from your TANF worker that can send uh, your information to get legal assistance. Are there other organizations that Legal Aid partners with to uh, get uh, referrals? Absolutely. So we really pride ourselves on partnerships and have really expanded some of those partnerships in recent years. We are partnering in our lawyer in the school program with county school systems, basically at this point across the state. Um, so we're working with social workers and attendance directors and homeless liaisons and teachers and principals across the state um, to help families that might you know, be facing some stabilization issues so that students can focus on school instead of what's happening outside the classroom. So that's one uh, partnership opportunity that we've got. We're also working with some um, recovery medical uh, legal partnership providers um, that are working with folks in recovery um, to help remove barriers for them, you know, toward their long-term recovery process. The Jobs and Hope program in West Virginia is a really wonderful program that provides a lot of services, uh, again, to folks in recovery, but also folks who are just seeking employment. And um, if you're working with a Jobs and Hope transition agent, they can make a referral to legal aid. Um, we also partner with our domestic violence uh, programs across the state that provide services and shelter to victims of domestic violence who can make referrals to legal aid. I'm probably missing a couple other partners, but those are some of our biggest, broadest ones. And, you know, I think the reason that we want to work with partners in the community is they are often working with folks um, that, you know, may not recognize that legal aid exists or that legal aid could help with their type of issue. So it's also a way for us for to make sure that we're reaching people that might not get to us otherwise. So we work with those community partners and they will determine that someone has a legal issue or needs to speak with an attorney or needs some sort of legal help. And then they will gather the information and send it over to legal aid. And then then what would happen if I uh, let's say I got a referral from let's just pick TANF and they said, uh, OK, I'm receiving TANF. I have a legal problem. They send it over. They say here, what's, what's legal aid going to do with that information? Sure. Yeah. So if we get a referral from DHHR for someone that's in West Virginia Works, um, we would con try to reach out to you. Um, so we would call you. We usually call, call you twice um, to try to get some more information from you just to make sure it's something that we can help with. You know, legal aid can't help with criminal issues and certain types of um, civil issues. And so we just have to make sure it falls within that. Um, and then, um, you know, so we will call you twice. If we don't reach you, we typically will then send you a letter or an email if we have a good address to say, hey, we've tried to reach you um, and couldn't get a hold of you. Please call us back. 
Um, but let's say we get a hold of the person, then we go through our regular intake process and then the case gets assigned based on that. So let's talk about the regular intake. Let's say I'm not working with a community partner, um, but I have a legal issue and I need to see if I can get, uh, if I'm eligible, if it's something legal aid can help with, what would I do? So we have two ways you can apply. Um, you can call our intake phone number and it's one 855 4370 And it's open 8.30 to 3.00. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. On Tuesdays, we're open from 8.30 to 12.30. And if you call during that time and we're too busy, you will get a message that says, sorry, all of our paralegals are busy right now. Please call us back. But, um, you know, most of the time you can get through and you will might have to hang out and listen um, to some information um, while you're waiting to talk to one of our paralegals. They're really busy. We get a good bit of calls. Once you get connected with a paralegal, we will have to get a good bit of information from you. Um, one, as lawyers, we have some rules we have to follow about um, who we can help in terms of if we've ever helped a, another party related in the case before. Um, so we kind of have to run through that information. And then because of the grants we get, we do have to ask a good bit of specific questions about um, the person that's applying in their situation. So we ask folks to be patient. We know, um, you know, it can be a little frustrating to have to get so much to get through the door. But um, unfortunately, it's just something that we have to do to be able to provide help for free. So our paralegals are great. They go through questions um, and then they determine if you're eligible. You kind of fit one of the programs that we can do. And then once you've cleared that, then they'll get a little bit more specific about your legal situation. So aside from things that I would already know just by virtue of those are things that are common knowledge to me, right? My date of birth may be an example of that. What else should I have prepared as I get ready to call? Sure. I mean, a lot of your demographic information is some of the first things that we know need to know. We need to know the people that are involved in your case. So if there's someone that's suing you, we need their information as much as you are able to give us a name, a date of birth, an address, something. Um, so we need to know the people that are involved in your situation. You need to have a, a ballpark of your income and your assets, um, you know, what that looks like either on a monthly basis, a biweekly basis, or an annual basis, um, because we will have to ask information about income. Um, again, that doesn't mean that we can't help you always, but it is something that we, we do have to keep track of and record. And then once you've kind of cleared through a lot of that information, having handy any of the information about your case, like deadlines, um, you know, the name of a judge, the name of another lawyer involved, that kind of thing can also be really helpful. So when you talked about income, what if I had a good job, but I recently lost it? So typically, um, we are looking at income at the point that you're contacting us. If you do have seasonal employment that like is there and then it kind of goes down, we will often look at that on an annual basis. But um, generally, we're looking at your income at the point of time that you're contacting us. And what if all my income comes from side hustles, like I you know, drive people's groceries to them or I pick people up at the airport and take them home? We still record that. So, you know, even if it's not income from a paid employer, we will ask questions about, you know, how are you supporting your family? How are you getting food? How are you paying rent? Those kind of things. So, um, you know, we 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 just have to ask and record those things. Um, and so we would we would record, you know, how how much you get for those types of jobs. That's what's going to happen if someone calls the uh, the toll free number. What's going to happen if someone applies online? What's that process? 
Right. So the other way to apply is online. And as Clint said earlier, our website address is legalaidwv.org. And if you go to the website in the top right corner, you'll see apply for help now. And if you click on that and you scroll down, you'll see the online link. And that's a little bit easier way for an applicant to go ahead and start the process. So they can put in their information, the name of the other side, they can put in some of their income information, um, and then you submit it. And what happens is we call you. And so you would get a call from us and it'll be an automated call that says this is legal aid of West Virginia. You're able to talk now. If you hit one, say yes, you'll get on the line with a paralegal very quickly. And if you don't answer or you're not able to, the system will call you a number of times. Um, at some point, we do stop calling you if you don't answer. And we would send you a letter um, that says, hey, we've tried to contact you about four or five times, weren't able to reach you. You need to call us at this point. Um, but if we connect with you, we'll go through the same intake process we do on the phone. But it's a little bit easier because you've been able to put down some of that information. We're just kind of going over it and verifying it with the person. Now, you mentioned earlier the hours that you're available to take phone calls. Is that applicable online or can you apply at three in the morning? Um, you can apply anytime, um, but we will only call you during those hours. <laughs> so if you're not available um, to call us during the day, often because of work or other things, starting the online application process might be a lot faster way to get it things started. Um, but we would still have to call you and contact you during like our business hours. And are there preferred times? Can I select on there if I have a break for my lunch hour or anything like that? No, we had done that in the past, but still weren't really getting people to to be available when we needed them to. So no, but we call you multiple times. I mean, we, we try to really give you a number of chances to to pick up. Um, so we call about five times um, before we would stop and send you a letter. So, you know, just watching your phone, it will show up as Legal Aid of West Virginia. Um, hopefully it doesn't show up as spam risk. It should show up as Legal Aid of West Virginia. We've made every effort to do that. Um, so just just keeping an eye out for calls from us um, after we do it a couple of times is important. Now, we talked about the reality is we're gaining a lot of information um, from our clients, generally driven by the grant funders and things of that nature. How long does it take for the average intake to uh, get processed? Sure. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes, um, just depending on the complexities of things. Um, but yeah, the average is about 15 to 20 minutes, so not too long. And once once that intake is completed, um, so I call someone, let's say, uh, let's say I've got served with an eviction notice, for example, um, what's going to happen within legal aid once I call, they determine that I am eligible based on my income and they process my intake. What happens sure. next? Well, the one you noted, an eviction, if it has a deadline, that is something that's flagged for our program that we need to get back with this person much more quickly. Um, so our staff would be made aware of, of any important deadlines that come through. But basically, you know, because we're a statewide program, um, what we do is look to the office area that covers your case and assign based on the attorneys in that office who's taking the type of case that um, you're calling in about. Um, and then sometimes there are cases where we aren't able to assess even going to court with someone that we're just going to start off giving them some advice and guidance. So for those, you're set up with an appointment to meet with an attorney, um, to talk to them over the phone, to get some guidance, help with filling out forms. And then, you know, if something changes or you know, need more, you can always call us back. So it's a little different depending on the type of issue you're calling in about and the the attorneys or the resources that we're able to bring to the table on certain types of issues. Um, but we try to do the best we can with what we have. 
So as you mentioned, we're a statewide organization. Sometimes we have transitions in one office. We may have an attorney that's out on extended leave or something like that um, that may affect a, a local office's ability to handle a case uh, where they might normally be able to do that. We've We've had uh, some vacancies uh, in some offices as well, and that can impact the ability to serve clients. Um, but let me ask you this. If someone calls in, they have a legal issue that we would process and they're eligible for services. Do all of them are all of them going to talk to an attorney? They should at least get advice from an attorney. Um, and, you know, what we're able to do beyond that is really dependent on the type of issue that the person's calling in about. And, and it's really an assessment that our attorneys do about how complicated is the situation? How much is it able for us to get involved to to make a huge difference in in this case or this this uh, person's um, legal issue? So it's a, it's a complicated thing, I think, sometimes that it can be hard and I know frustrating for people who really want an attorney to go with them. Um, I think our staff do the best we can to assess, is this person able to do this on their own or is this something where we really need to get involved and can make a really big difference in this person's situation? So what are some of the factors that we look at? We call them priorities in-house, but what are some of the factors we would look at for cases as we process them? Sure. So we prioritize, you know, keep keeping people safe. So if there's, uh, you know, violence in the situation or a real concern about that, that's something I think our staff would look very carefully at. Um, trying to keep people in housing. You know, if your call and you're a couple months behind on rent and aren't able to pay, you're pretty likely to be evicted no matter what, whether an attorney gets involved or not. But if we could negotiate with the landlord to say, hey, would you agree if they got you the, some money by this date that they could stay until a certain date? You know, so we kind of go through those factors of, is this keeping someone safe? Is this keeping someone in a house? Um, is this keeping someone's income? You know, if it's a government benefit issue and what would our involvement do to try to, you know, resolve that person's situation? And if that means they really need someone to go to court with them, then we do the best we can to meet that. What kinds of cases are, are processed through? As you mentioned earlier, we can't do criminal work. Are there other kinds of cases that legal aid w- wouldn't be the place to call? Sure. So we don't do um, cases like you would see on billboards or ads a lot of time for like car wrecks or medical malpractice. Like if you're suing a doctor or a healthcare organization or if you had a slip and fall in, a, in Walmart, um, those are the kind of things that we don't do because the private bar um, attorneys just in the community take those and they're on a contingency basis. So, you know, um, the amount of money you'd have to put up up front is, is just not there. So that's not something that we do. We also can't do um If you've ever heard of big class action cases, people sue in Facebook or Apple for things, we don't get involved in those. Um, We can't do criminal. And then there are other types of issues where there are just other law firms or partners out there doing work um, that we don't do. Mount State Justice um, in West Virginia is another nonprofit law firm that handles consumer and um, primarily mortgage-related issues. So it's just not something we need to do because there's already another organization doing it. So if you ever have questions about that, again, I encourage folks to call, but also know that we can't take everything um, and it doesn't make sense for us to because there are other folks doing good work in those areas. So what are some of the cases that we see the most of? We get a lot of people with questions about family law uh, situations, divorce, custody, 
that's probably one of the biggest areas in domestic violence protection. Um, we get a lot of questions about housing issues, um, you know, if it's an eviction, but we also get a lot of uh, people calling that the landlord won't fix a problem in their apartment or won't give them their security deposit back. Um, people with mobile home challenges, you know, that the mobile home park isn't doing what they're supposed to or they need to move their mobile home um, because they're being evicted. Um, so I would say those are the two biggest areas, family law and housing. But we also do a good bit of work for people who are having problems with their um, DHHR benefits. Um, well, it's actually not DHHR anymore. Uh, the, the new agency that took over for DHHR, Department of Human Services now. But if you're getting food stamps, uh, West Virginia Works, Medicaid, anything that um, is a benefit like that, and you're having a problem with it, either you were denied, um, your benefits were reduced, your services were reduced um, or completely cut off, you have rights. And we have some advocates and attorneys that take those cases and help people navigate those uh, issues. Also, if you have a Social Security SSI overpayment, um, that's something else that people don't know that there's a process for trying to get some relief and help with that. That's something we do as well. Those would be cases where Social Security had paid too much for for you maybe you had something for some reason you wasn't eligible for some period of time um but it wasn't your fault it was a miscalculation generally these are ones it's not your you didn't go out and tell social security something that was wrong these are often cases where social security calculated something incorrectly and then they're charging you an overpayment right and the timing of you reporting your income and what they pay you is a little weird and can just cause problems for people sometimes Hey, I want to thank you for your time today. I uh, appreciate this. I think it's some valuable information. And a lot of times, you know, I, you and I have been here for, we've, we've plowed some of the same ground for quite a while. These are things that we've known. And I appreciate you taking the time, though, to explain them in this forum so that people that aren't familiar with it um, can know a little bit better about the process. Sure. No problem. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, we do the best to meet people, um, you know, where they are and get them information that might help them, even if legal aid isn't the place. So still encourage people to reach out to us and contact us if they, they uh, need legal help. Thank you. Thank you. To apply for legal aid services by phone, call 866-255-4370. That number again is 866 255 4370. You can also apply online, our website at legalaidwv.org. Again, that website, legalaidwv.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of What's the Law Say? A presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia.